0: Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders, brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter, where our handle is, at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hello, and welcome to Bridging Chicago. I'm Leona Kuhar, and I'm your host today on this podcast. Our guest today is Peter Tepfer, the Executive Director of the Center for Housing and Health here in Chicago, also known as CHH. Peter, welcome to Bridging Chicago.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Leona.
0: Maybe we can start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with CHH.
1: Sure. So um, I came into the work of uh, trying to end homelessness uh, initially through direct relationships with people who were uh, experiencing homelessness, living on the streets, um, and, uh, in shelters, um, as part of, um, a, a volunteer experience, uh, called the Jesuit Volunteer Corps after college. Um, and that experience, um, which was in Los Angeles' Skid Row, um, made me very angry because it highlighted the, uh, the inequities, um, both, uh, in terms of physical space between um, a place uh, that had a huge financial district and then um, a place where there was literally thousands of people experiencing homelessness that were within a couple blocks of each other. Um, and so uh, getting to, to know folks who were experiencing homelessness um, and uh, through their strength and resiliency, but still a great deal of struggle, Really solidified my passion and uh, deciding that this was the the work that I wanted to do um, with uh, with my life. And uh, fast forwarding a bit to uh, joining um, the AIDS Foundation of Chicago, which is the the parent company for the Center for Housing and Health, um, mm-hmm. I was one of the the first employees um, as we were. Uh, building out uh, this new um, center that looks to to bridge uh, the the gaps between uh, the housing world and uh, and the homeless world, um, because that's uh, really critical for all of us as human beings to have all parts of ourselves um, and all of our different needs met. Um, and so, the, the Center for Housing and Health uh, is is a place where we try to do that to ensure that people can reach their full potential and, uh, have, um, lead their healthiest lives. Uh, and so the, the reason that I continue this work is, uh, that we are not done. We're nowhere near ending homelessness in, uh, in the city, much less this country. Um, and that, uh, it is, I think even more clear than ever, uh, with kind of the fault lines that were, uh demonstrated through the COVID-19 pandemic about just how precarious housing is for so many of our neighbors.
0: Um, and I was going to ask you, what did, what role did COVID play in homelessness? What impact did it have?
1: Um, so I think that what we, I think we're still waiting for the most dire consequences of, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic here in, uh, Chicago and Illinois, in part because of the the strong advocacy of, uh, so many people in the community. Um, we've continued to have an eviction moratorium up until the start of this month. Mm -hmm. And so that meant, um, that there was additional protections for, uh, lots of our, our neighbors. Um, but we've been, we know that people are still really struggling. And so, uh, while we haven't seen the uh, the numbers yet uh, dramatically increase, there's a great deal of concern that uh, there's going to be uh, a major influx of people because of uh, evictions. Who, um, even if they may have some additional protections, um, that if people don't know, you know, most evictions that uh, that occur don't end up um, having people don't end up having representation, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very concerned that we'll see a pretty significant increase in homelessness um, in the coming months with the eviction moratorium here in Illinois um, uh, sunsetting.
0: Yes, so you mentioned that you basically got your start in um, LA. Do you think, what are the differences in homelessness between, if you had to compare Chicago and LA, would you say one is worse than the other?
1: Fortunately, we do not have nearly um, the the number of people who experience homelessness here in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. L.A., I think, has um, by, by several times more um, the number of people who experience homelessness. Now, L.A. is, is a larger uh, city, yes. but I think even proportionally, there's more people experiencing homelessness. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that the... Um, it is uh, a greater challenge in LA. At the end of the day, the homelessness is is directly connected to the affordability of, uh, of people's homes. And that, um, while we have an affordability crisis here in in Chicago and and most other metropolitan areas, it's not as pronounced as in Los Angeles.
0: Okay. And it seems to me that, um, Homelessness doesn't occur with just one event in your life. It's a culmination of probably many. I would think is is that a correct assessment? Or
1: so everyone's experience of homelessness is different. Uh, but when we look generally, uh, the the first thing that we we look at is uh, how expensive housing is. So again, going mm-hmm. back to the idea of. Um, having an affordable home, um, and how much affordable housing exists in a particular area. Um, that's the most important factor. Uh, and then, uh, you know, connected to that is is people's income. So their, their ability to, um, afford their home. But as you're pointing out, Leona, that, uh, life circumstances are, are often what then lead to experiences of homelessness. So, um, a death in the family, uh, a health crisis, uh, a divorce, um, a domestic violence situation, um, all these things are, are what can lead someone to having a stable home uh, to all of a sudden no longer being able to afford that home, um, losing income, losing employment, and then uh, becoming homeless.
0: So. Um, what what are some of the services that you m- might provide? I mean, I know you provide chH provides many services, but what would be some of the most um, pronounced ones that you might provide to a client
1: uh, so one of the most important services we provide is um, what uh, is a rental subsidy, so mm-hmm. talking about affordability so that a uh, a rental subsidy so that someone or a household pays no more than 30% of their income towards rent, uh, and then connecting that to services. So that uh, if we know, as you pointed out, there's often a a number of different contributing factors to someone becoming homeless, and uh, often having services connected can help people to overcome the challenges that helped uh, lead them to homelessness, whether that be a health challenge, a, a mental health challenge uh, employment so that services are, are tailored to um, a person and go to people and literally go to people's homes um, and then help them reach their goals. Uh, so those are uh, those are the types of services that uh, the Center for Housing and Health has. Um, we have a number of projects that use those um, those types of services. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we call that uh, permanent supportive housing. Uh, And so the other piece of that is that there's not a time limit. So we don't uh, say, oh, you know, in a year or in two years, uh, this rental subsidy and these services are going to end. We really worked with individual um, people and individual families to help meet their needs and meet them where they are.
0: So you offer continuity.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to be a source of stability um, and help uh, those Families and individuals maintain housing stability as as core components because homelessness is um, is an emergency, is a crisis, and so that continuity is really important.
0: And it seems like it could be very slick, uh, like a vicious cycle.
1: Yes, um, yeah, I think that that's uh, that's absolutely right. And, uh, that's exactly what happens: as people get stuck in in that cycle, um, and sometimes with uh, just some additional support that cycle is one that we can break um, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, with individual people who, um, you know, never discounting the amount of work that it takes to, to overcome that experience of homelessness. Um, but, but the center is there to provide that support so that um, people don't remain stuck in that cycle.
0: Yes. So it seems like the center offers a very holistic approach to people experiencing homelessness.
1: Yeah, the the idea is that um, all the services that we um, offer are voluntary and that um, it needs to be um, offering a, a variety of different options for, for people and for families. Because, again, not everyone is the same, and so... Right, every situation
0: is uh, different, I would every imagine. Every situation
1: is different, uh, and, and what people want and need is different. And so mm-hmm. um, we believe that um, the participants in our projects are the experts in their own lives and that are going to uh, make the decisions that are best for them. So that's how we um, develop our, our services and, and work with um, a variety of community partners to um, help ensure that those services are in place.
0: Do you think that approach of, um, as you said, that they're the experts in their life, they know what they're experiencing, they know how they feel, and it seems like you recognize that. Do you feel that that um, plays a big role in someone um, being successful in um, overcoming homelessness, that you as an as a agency recognize that um, they should be in control of their lives?
1: Absolutely. And I think that one of the things we see is that when we uh, come with that approach of of honoring people's uh, expertise, that uh, we we see them achieving that success. So Mm -hmm. um, our our programs see um, about a 98 percent housing retention rate. So that means that after 12 months, someone who has been um, connected to one of our programs remains uh, stably housed. That's
0: remarkable.
1: And it really breaks the myth that, um, you know, people who have experienced long periods of homelessness or have other challenges um, are not going to be successful in independent living. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that we hear off is like, well, how how are you going to move someone from the CTA into an apartment? And it's not going to work. Right. It does work uh, as long as you are uh, ensuring that people are have the support that they need um, and not putting artificial uh Rules or barriers in front of them. That if you treat people like every tenant who has a lease, um, mm-hmm. and and offer them options and, and provide that support, then people are very successful in uh, in ending that cycle of homelessness.
0: Do you feel that um, that approach of um, that you're taking has really um, played a big role in the success that you know you're you're treating someone as anybody else not just a homeless person you're treating them like like everybody like a person
1: yeah i think that the um i mean first that's that's our core philosophy right is that uh that housing is a human right and yes. that healthcare is a human right and if if that's the case and we're, if we're coming from that uh approach of of human rights then we absolutely need to be treating participants in our programs like full human beings right like they're
0: they're they're important as everybody else
1: yes yes and i think Mm -hmm. that one of the things that we hear so often from um our participants is that during homelessness one of the things that you lose is a sense of dignity that uh, that people are invisible Uh, you Mm -hmm. people look past you people walk past you people don't acknowledge you even if uh, you know you're speaking to them um, and that uh, while having a home or not having a home doesn't determine whether or not one keeps your inherent dignity uh, that that's one of the things that we we hear often is that uh, you know while being I can tell that I'm being treated um, like a, a full human being and um, I really appreciate that and uh, mm-hmm. this is this I know that this opportunity is one that, can help me to um you know to change the direction of my life
0: so you make a person feel like they really do matter
1: because they absolutely do yes Yes, that's the
0: idea yeah so do you how does how does a client come to be your client How does a person come to be your client? Does that happen like through other partnerships with hospitals, other agencies?
1: Yeah, there are two main ways that someone gets connected to the Center for Housing and Health. Um, The first is that we are part of uh, the larger um, homeless services system in the city of Chicago called the continuum of care. Mm -hmm. And um, there's what's called the coordinated entry system um, so it's kind of it's the the place where folks get connected to housing and services um, in in Chicago. Uh, so that's one way. It's kind of a you know the central point, um, and then we would uh, receive referrals from there. Um, but the second is uh, through uh, partnerships with hospitals and managed care organizations or, or insurance companies. Okay. Um, we've worked hard to help uh, hospitals and insurance companies recognize that. Um, there are many people who experience homelessness that they 're already serving uh either as their patients or their insured members um, and that those folks are not going to uh be as healthy as they should be because right. their their key need of uh having a home is not met and right. so um we do also receive referrals from um uh different hospitals and, and uh, managed care organizations that operate in Chicago and Cook County.
0: How many individuals or I'm sure you even service families as well, not just individuals, but on an annual basis, how many people are you able to service?
1: Um, so this year, I believe that we are going to serve um, around the, uh, 600 um, mm-hmm. households uh, as part of our, our services um, and uh, we also do serve families uh, and children so I expect that uh, this year we'll serve approximately uh, 250 um, minor children as, as part okay. of our, our projects too.
0: So, I noticed, um, just by a little bit of research from your website that you have many partnerships, many funders. Um, it, it was like remarkable how much your budget grew in in a matter of a few years. I, I was amazed. I you know, I saw the the um, the figures, and it was like uh, it just grew immensely how does that happen it was so robust such a robust increase how does that happen it's wonderful but you
1: know. <laughs> um, the the way that we were able to, to grow so quickly is um, primarily due to uh one of our newest and largest programs called the flexible housing pool. Um, and so
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I would, if you could, after you explain, go, I would like you to explain that a little bit too, but I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: It, uh, the flexible housing pool is bringing together much of what we've talked about, um, already in our conversation. Um, it is, uh, an effort to look across um, our entire region. So outside of even the city of Chicago boundaries um, and to, to look very clearly at that intersection of housing and healthcare um, Mm -hmm. and to find folks who are um, in some of those cycles uh, of homelessness, but also other crisis services. So people who continue to, um, return to hospitals, continue to return to Cook County Jail, um, and where the systems that are in place just are not meeting their needs. They're still experiencing homelessness. They aren't healthy. Um, they're ending up back in jail. Uh, and so the the Flexible Housing Pool is meant to um, be a model that can directly address that. Okay. Um, and as I was talking about how some of the referrals were coming from hospitals and insurance companies, that's, uh, the flexible housing pool is the, the tool that we're using to do that. Um, okay. and because we know that for someone to, to get and to stay healthy, that they need the stability of a home, um, right. and the, and healthcare. Um, so the flexible housing pool is really a, a step in that direction to make sure that all of our neighbors, um, are, uh, closer to that reality. Um, and that is and a
0: city. That's a city-funded program. Am I correct in that?
1: It is city and county um, and privately funded. So that's one oh, of the things okay. that's So it's a collaboration. It's a collaboration, and so you, mm-hmm. you saw all those partners. There are lots of different partners yes. that are um, both funders, but also um, providing some of the services. So the Center for Housing and Health is uh, almost like the air traffic controller of uh, mm-hmm. the Flexible Housing Pool Project. Um, but we work closely with a number of different partners who um, provide those um, participant-centered services that we were discussing earlier um, go to people's homes out in the community once they uh, sign that lease and have those keys yes Um,
0: so yeah when i was talking about the budget increase i saw that in 2011 you had a budget of about a hundred thousand in 2017, five million. That's that's amazing. Did yes, you ever? Um, ex- did you expect it to grow like that?
1: It's hard to imagine uh, the the growth that uh, that we see. Um, but I, I guess I can't imagine an end to homelessness. Uh, and I I understand that in order for that to happen we as a community need to invest uh substantial resources because we have the tools to end homelessness but we don't currently have the the resources or the political will that go with it uh and so on one hand i would say no i couldn't imagine uh that level of growth uh but on the other when i when i really uh envision what i want um this the city and this uh the land to look like for for my children it's uh it's communities that don't have homelessness. It's not seeing people yes. on the train um, or in the parks living in tents. Um, mm-hmm. And so if this is the, the pathway to get there and, and the growth of the center is, uh, is one part of that, then, um, then that's exciting. Yes,
0: so what different differences, even in just say uh, two or three years, what differences do you see today?
1: Is it better?
0: Um, is it worse?
1: In terms of the the data that we're seeing, um, it is there are more people that are homeless um, in the last two years.
0: Okay,
1: um, and that doesn't include uh, the potential uh, increase as a result of COVID and the, the yeah. economic impact that had on so many Chicagoans um so in in that sense uh i think that it's getting worse um the flip side of that is that there's far more attention on housing and homelessness than there has been in in my career uh and that
0: that's a very positive thing
1: it is it's a very positive thing there's there's greater recognition that um uh we have so much more to do to ensure that people do not end up experiencing homelessness, and to really invest in housing um, in a new way. So, the so in that sense, there's uh, there's some hope. I'd say also one of the things that was uh, impressive, also surprising, was that during the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, as a result of uh, of collaborations and uh, and leadership from a number of different Healthcare, social service, and and city entities, that people who were experiencing homelessness actually had lower rates of COVID nineteen infection than the general population, mm. um, which is particularly surprising given yes. the disease burden that uh, so many of our neighbors who experience homelessness have. Uh, so, I'd say that that is also um, a you know a very positive sign. Um, But what we need to be talking about a year from now, uh, Leona, is that we have half as many people that are homeless as we have today. Uh, So, you know, the last uh, official count was that there was about 6,000 people in the city of Chicago who were experiencing homelessness on a single night. Um, But like you mentioned
0: earlier in our conversation that the worst worst of COVID might be coming soon of the ramifications of COVID.
1: That's the fear. That's the fear.
0: Well, I guess we could just be hopeful that, um, you know, it isn't as bad as what, you know, what we think it might be. So it, it, how, in your experience, I'm, now this is getting a little bit personal in your work experience, What what's a good day for you?
1: A good day is uh, when... I hear from some of the folks who have connected to our programs um, that their entire outlook on life is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, the lack of dignity, the shame that they might have felt uh, when they were experiencing homelessness uh, is now replaced by joy at having a, an apartment, yes. by reconnecting with children or grandchildren. Um, with the ability to finally have um, the really the uh, of, of stress level that uh, allows them to manage some other things, including health care. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we talk about the Center for Housing and Health, and we know that when people are um, experiencing homelessness that it can be very difficult to really, Care for one's health because you're concerned about well, where am I going to use the bathroom? Where am I going to sleep tonight? Um, Am I going to get hurt or beat up?
0: Yeah, Um, health becomes secondary, I would imagine. becomes
1: secondary. So, um, you know, hearing people talk about um, overcoming their challenges uh, that's that's part of a good day. Um, Another part of a good day is uh, talking with our our partners about. Um, the ways that we can continue to grow and be better um, and uh, the way that we can tackle some of these major systemic issues that we're facing um, mm-hmm. as we're uh, collectively envisioning um, uh, a, a city that doesn't um, have the same racial disparities of, of homelessness. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that listeners may not know is that um, about 80% of people who experience homelessness in Chicago identify as black, okay. even though only about a third of Chicago residents identify as black. Um, mm-hmm. and, and those disparities are not accidental. That is a direct result of the public policies, um, that have been part of the the city's history and, and even present, um, whether it be redlining, uh, restricted covenants, um, contract buying, uh, that when we're talking about how to naming racism as a key driver of homelessness and figuring out how we, uh, come up with the solutions to tackle that, um, while it's, uh, angering and frustrating, uh, being able to be clear about that, uh, being part of our, our pathway is, is something that makes, um, you know, is part of a good day.
0: Yes. And maybe you don't want to answer this, but I'm sure you have bad days. (laughs) What does that look like?
1: Um, A bad day is when it feels like we're just hitting our head against the wall. Uh, Mm -hmm. When we look at uh, some of the um, the data, uh, whether it be the center um, on our own as a singular organization or as part of the larger community um, and see that maybe we're not making progress um, in the way that we thought we would or that we know we need to, um, where uh, we end up uh, kind of bickering as a community over um small things and, and losing sight of the, the greater challenge um where but i would
0: guess you put things in per into perspective then you have to right
1: yeah um the i think that that's part of what we what we try to do is to to take a step back and remember yes. the the why the reasons that we're, yeah. we're here and doing this work um,
0: yeah so that the bad days don't pull you back and keep you back you yeah. know you can just keep moving forward, yeah so what what could individuals do to help homelessness, like people who aren't homeless? how can they help? Um, I think the first
1: thing would be uh for people to to recognize that um affordable homes um, are an essential part of every community. Um, And that no matter where one lives, that uh, it's important to have um, affordable homes that are part of that uh, that place. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing could be talking with elected officials, whether that be at the, the local state or federal level and saying, Uh, I think that uh, housing is important to me, and uh, it's important to our communities, and that, um, you know, housing is a human right, and I want that to be prioritized. Um, We talk a lot about, uh, you know, budgets being moral documents. So do our budgets reflect our morals? Do they reflect that housing is a human right? Um, yeah. whether that be the major infrastructure package that's in negotiation at the federal level or in, in a city budget um, another could be uh, to to think about um, looking at local organizations to uh, to volunteer um, yeah. and uh, you know there's probably an organization that provides services in uh, almost every community uh, in this city. Um, So that's, that's another opportunity. Um, And the final would be, we all interact with people who experience homelessness as part of our day-to-day routines. Uh, Maybe less so now uh, with uh, COVID, but in general uh, we, we do. And so Acknowledging people, uh, looking them in the eye, uh, having a conversation, um, is is part of how to uh, you know see our neighbors for for the full humans that they are, and mm-hmm. um, even in that uh, emergency and that crisis of homelessness, to help people understand that they're not completely forgotten.
0: Right. So the your immediate coworkers. Um, I imagine that you have a very um, team-like work experience, that you all have to work as a team. Do you think that all of you um, see things the same way, or do other people have different ideas?
1: We we all share a core set of values and philosophies. Mm and I think that's part of what makes the the team um, grounded. Uh, but people don't all see things the same way, and I think that's part of what makes for uh, our strong team: is that not everyone thinks the same way, right. not everyone um, just walks the exact same path. Um, and but that the, our, core our teams, the,
0: the core, core is, is there. The core is there.
1: So right. having that core, um, yeah, that core uh, commitment to, to values is, uh, what's most important. Um, but then a variety of perspectives, uh, life experiences really is what our makes, makes our team stronger. Um, and that people have the chance to express those, uh, those different views, um, and to have some healthy debate at times, uh, is, is part of what makes us a a stronger organization and and pushes us to be better because, uh, no organization is, is perfect.
0: Right. And, I mean, everyone has different ideas, and those ideas, you know, a lot of times mean progress. Yes. So, if someone needs, well, another thing, I'm sorry, I just, I forgot another thing that was very impressive that I wanted to bring up on your website. It's, I noticed that it's very inclusive, like, you could find out about, um, a person, an individual could find out about affordable housing, tenant rights. Um, I think your website is wonderful in that aspect that, you know, any person could just start to look and say, Hey, there, there might be answers for me.
1: Thank you. Uh, Yeah. We are, we tried to design the website so that, um, it could meet a variety of people's needs so that if you're someone who's experiencing homelessness and have heard about us that you can find some resources um and and find them quickly because we know it's not always easy to navigate and that even if there might be something for you that you don't always know where to turn so that's uh
0: yeah i found your your i found your website to be very impressive
1: thank you um and so then, for for other folks, you know, we have people that are curious about what, um, you know, are, are trying to learn more about homelessness to understand, uh, you know, what they might be able to do, and, and just to educate themselves. And so we've we tried to have a few different uh, avenues that people can pursue depending on mm-hmm. what they're interested in.
0: So Pete, to conclude things here, first of all, is there something that you would like to? Um, let our listeners know that maybe we haven't touched on that you feel is very important for people to know about the Center for Housing and Health?
1: I think that uh, I wanna ensure that listeners know that uh, our, our primary commitment is to make sure that every person in our community has a place to call a home uh, and that that can be the, the platform for them to, to reach their full potential. Um, and that homelessness is not a problem, a social problem that we can't solve. Uh, I think that's uh, that we are able to uh, ensure that people have, if they experience homelessness, that it's brief, um, and that there is a resource for them, um, and that when we have those different uh, pieces in place, that. We aren't going to see homelessness in, in the way that it exists now. That um, there is, uh, it's not it's something that is too complex for us to figure out how to solve. Um, that we have these tools and that um, together we can uh, work to end homelessness and have a, a different future for, uh, for our city and, and for our, uh, our children.
0: So it can be, homelessness can be re- resolved step by step it's not, it doesn't have to. So it
1: doesn't, uh, uh, you know, one of the, what we talk about um, as one of the things that we do is is housing first. So uh, that, you know, the immediate solution to someone experiencing homelessness is a home. Uh, Right. And that if someone has uh, an affordable home, uh, especially if there's services connected when that's appropriate, then um, we've ended homelessness for that family, that individual.
0: And I'm assuming that you also help people who can, who are able to work, find employment so that they can be more self-sufficient.
1: Yes, that's uh, making sure that people have uh, a source of income is is something that's really important. Whether that be mm-hmm. through employment or uh, public benefits like social security yes. if folks are are disabled. Um, that is is really important in getting folks connected to um, the type of work that uh, they want to do. That's fulfilling and uh, ideally that pays a living wage is, right. is something that's important to us.
0: Right. Well, Pete, it's been truly a pleasure having this conversation with you, and very enlightening. I think um, you pointed out so many important things about homelessness and. You really sound hopeful, which is a good thing. I I I got I I'm walking away from this with a sense of hope, and so I thank you for that. I hope our listeners feel the same, but um, you, you do. You you pr- you give the pr- the you generate hope.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that, Leona.
0: Well, I hope we can reconnect again soon. Um, we sometimes like to check up um, and do a brief podcast later on with with um, guests. So I hope that we can do that again soon.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for taking you. the time to join us, Pete. Thanks. Best of luck. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center.